Welcome to Cloudlandia, Mr. Sullivan. Ah, Mr. Jackson. Uh, Welcome you know, a half to hour. Cloudlandia. Half, yes, a half hour is not too much to wait. For the okay, experience. thank you. Yes. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. So yeah, I did your breakfast. I mean, is that the reason? Yeah, everything everything worked out. That's perfect. Thank you. That's so funny. I have. It's interesting. I've had an interesting word combination come to me that I've been contemplating for the last uh, twenty four hours or so, and the words are insufficiently bullish. <laughs> and I thought to myself, that is an interesting thought. However, it was it was expressed in terms of NFTs and yeah. crypto blockchain. Yeah. If however bullish yeah. you are on it, you are insufficiently yeah. bullish. And I was thinking about yeah. that as bullish as we are on the free zone frontier and cloud land, we are insufficiently bullish with a twenty thirty perspective. Twenty thirty. Yeah, for if our target is the year 2030 from a vista of 2021, I believe mm-hmm. that as exciting as it all sounds and as you know, effusive as we are about it, that I think we are, the more I look at it and think about it, insufficiently bullish on the future of the free zone and Cloudlandia, of which mm-hmm. NFTs and blockchain and all that will be a part. But I just look yeah, at I it, man. Yeah. You know, it's it's really interesting. I just did a fascinating book called uh, Apocalypse Never by Michael Schellenberger. Mm-hmm. And uh I'm gonna I'm gonna buy it for everybody in ten times for December. And he's a former you know, you know, very significant environmental and almost you know, almost on the extreme side going back to the late 80s and he's done a switch okay which uh, is a very interesting thing that i've followed for 30 years that anyone i've only met people who were at one time on the political left who have moved right but i've never met anyone on the political right who has moved left you know in my entire life now that just may be my personal experience you know that mm-hmm. people who were on the right moved up probably don't want to. Hillary talk Clinton about. will try and tell you that she is one of those people. Uh, oh, no. Hillary. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Here's the truth about Hillary Hillary will be whoever you want her to be. Well, that's uh, why I'm saying. By, I just wanted to yeah, point out. Minute by minute. But, but, but she made Hillary a point of can, growing up as. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but Hillary can move positions and move personalities. Oh yeah, uh, faster than faster than Superman. You know, I mean, she can be in a new costume. Uh, She'll uh, tell you that's what rooted her in her that Southern conservative. Yeah. You know that yeah. she's got that in her roots. No, no, but then no. she saw this yeah, a, yeah. Yeah, a more inclusive way. <laughs> Hillary doesn't remember who she was an hour ago, and she doesn't know who she's <laughs> an hour hour in the future. It's whatever the situation calls for, but. The Bill always knows who he is. <laughs> uh-huh. Right. I always say they had the perfect collaboration for 30 years. Bill 
just had a good time. He created all the good times and she cleaned up all the messes. It was a perfect collaboration. Mm. And anyway, but the, the Michael Schellenberg book is really fascinating. One of the things that uh, he talks about there is that the, the environmental movement, the environmental movement, it's almost entirely consists highly educated, affluent Westerners who live mm-hmm. in prosperous countries. Okay. And the impact of their uh, policies would be to prevent any poor country from getting richer. Mm-hmm. I wonder now the, yeah, the, you know, it's the tax that was just agreed on or in theory, the mm-hmm. global minimum income tax or the corporate, corporate tax. Corporate. Yeah. That I think that's going one step closer to acceptance of decentralized finance in a way, right? Like moving closer to a to there being a, a crypto type of digital currency that everybody's on board with. Yeah, but here's uh, here, here's the point about that. Now, the corporate tax in the United States, would you go for 15%? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes, I would. I, I totally would. I totally would. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's such a joke. You can't, can't go below 15%, you know, with mm-hmm. your corporate income. Name the country in the world except for maybe Singapore, maybe Ireland, maybe the other countries that's ever been below 15%, the vast majority of them wrapped around 30%. I'd go for 15%. Why don't we just make it uniform 15% around the world right now? That would mm-hmm. solve a lot of problems. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think change happens really at that level. You know, I think it it happens at the level of, you know, maybe 500 million people operating for about 10 years without being observed by government. With, uh, right. That would really change yeah. that. I think that's already changing the world. That, yeah. Uh, you and I have been living for the last year and a half, especially the last year and a half, in a secret, invisible, undetectable world. Yes, that and is true. I'm not telling. I'm telling people who are doing that about it, but I'm not telling people who aren't doing that about it. Yeah, that whole. Um, it's so amazing to look at it, even in this perspective, though. With I, I'm also you know, as, as much as excited I am about 2030. I look. I'm often looking back. <laughs> Uh, like I just watched the new series now just started the engineering that made us and mm-hmm. it was started out with the railroad again mm-hmm. and so back another perspective on the railroad on the railroad thing and really free zone collaboration between mm-hmm. the government and the you know two railroads that made the transcontinental railroad happen and the exchange of they got rich from not the fees they were paid for but the real estate you've you've mentioned it before yeah yeah and that whole 
now that that was the the foundation there and you see them i just i'm interested in where in this like what are we going to be talking about in 2030 as we look back on the current state of where we are right now like as you know what's an nft is the that's the equivalent of that Bryant Gumble. What is internet? You know, that was a, yeah. When they got that sound bite, that would make a really good yeah, NFT actually. The, Somebody to have uh, that, that piece. You know, the, the biggest change from my perception, you know, having, you know, I'm in my completing my eighth decade. So I've got a little bit of um, history you know, in terms of my own personal experience. And uh, there's a very famous book. It's a history of science book by a man by the name of Thomas Kuhn, K-U-H-N. And mm-hmm. it's called The Structure of Scientific Revolutions. came out in the 60s, 70s. And he's the one who coined the term paradigm shift. And so he says a paradigm is a way of thinking about things that sort of dominates you know, kind of the general situation, you know, during any given time. And he says this happens in all fields of activity, but it happens in science, too, that you'll have certain ideas about science that have been the product of scientists or physicists who became very famous. Darwin would be an example. Einstein would be another example. That yes. They're good They've got a shelf life, in other words, that they might last 40, 50, it might last for 100 years. And mm-hmm. uh, they get, they give room and they give structure and uh, kind of direction for a lot of people to make a lot of progress. But as they get, you know, at a certain stage of uh, shelf life, they start not, an- they, they, the things that they don't answer starts accumulating and after a while, younger people coming along say, you know, what we're learning doesn't really explain what we see going on. And of course, the younger people are having a totally different experience than the older experience. The older experience have had success. They've got position. They've got security. They've got influence. And the younger people don't have any of this. But the younger ones have new ideas. And he says, and all at once, a new idea will come along, and it becomes extraordinarily disruptive. And he said, but it'll be resisted. It'll be very strongly Uh resisted by those in the establishment. And Uh he said, therefore, the single biggest factor for scientific purposes from one paradigm to another is the funerals of old scientists. Interesting. It's only when that older generation dies, then there's room uh, for the new people. There's new ideas. And the biggest uh, factor that's going to change 230 and make it uh, very different from 2020 is the death of the baby boom generation as an important factor in society. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Well, the interesting thing we're, that's we're mentioning a little Hillary. You know, we were mentioning Hillary's whole generation, who were the anti-war generation during the 1960s. Yeah. They, they'll yeah. all be tired, uh, you know, tired, fired, dead, retired by 2030. They'll have no influence. They, they'll have yeah. this is their last kick. Joe Biden is a member of that generation, and yeah. you know. He, you know, he was elected with twenty, only twenty percent left on his batteries. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. he's been, you know, he's been, you know, he's got about two good hours a day, probably. You know, and then yeah. they, he has to be protected. Well, that whole generation, Nancy Pelosi, Hillary Clinton, and everything, yes. and uh, probably the only exception to the rule is probably Trump. Trump looks better now. Than he did ten years ago. I mean, mm-hmm. Trump. Uh, he's got he's got a different kind of uh, energy. But the other thing is that he's got ideas that are totally opposed to the baby boom establishment. And I'm interested in it because I'm actually older than the baby boom generation. I was born. Yeah, in you're the silent generation, right? Uh, I'm a yeah, silent guy. The... I'm a silent guy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> And, but you're close and, enough uh, to the baby boom that you're you're on the right on the you're the tail you're the what do we call it you're the uh, leading edge of the silent generation, right? Actually, and actually, behind you I, though, there's a big gap. Actually, I was first in line for everything that every I I was first in line for everything that was good for the baby boom generation. Right. Yeah. Yeah, as they were when I got ahead, into saying we're going to need. All yeah, when that. I got into school, there uh, there was massive amount of personal attention you could get from teachers because they re- yeah. they had been planning on a much bigger classes. When I got into the job market, there were far more jobs than there were people to yeah. take them. And so my whole life has been. I got into real estate at the right time. You know, it's it's kind of like almost yeah. everything. I got into yeah. entrepreneurism at the right time. So the, so the big thing, a lot of people talk about technology and they talk about this, but they don't talk about demographics. And I think yeah. demographics are the single biggest, most powerful change factor that hardly anyone pays any attention to. I agree. Yeah. And I look at that, like if you just look at the chart of birth what, are, what are you, by the way? You're a... So I am the leading, I'm, I was six, 1966, so I am yeah, a so Generation X. The, yeah. I'm the beginning of Generation X, and so I'm an elder Generation X, but mm-hmm. close enough to the the young, you know, there's always this. You're on the other side people. of the book. You're two years on the other side of the boomers following. I'm two yeah. years before the boomers ahead of. That's yeah. right. That's right. So we yeah. bookend the boomers, you and I, 22 years apart, you and I. Yeah. And so, but what's interesting is if you just look at demographically, what's happening after the baby boomers, you're, it's all the silent generation, what you were all through the depression and the leading up to the and the war, birth rates were way down compared to the GI generation in the 20s, right? And yes. Yeah. The all the G, the ones who are 
it's the very, very tail end of the GI generation that's they're dying off, alive you know still. I mean? They're all dying yeah, off yeah. now. And there's yeah. going to be a big gap of people who, I think for two reasons. First of all, your generation, you know, you're closer to the, the baby boom. Your end of the silent generation was more like the baby boom than like the silent generation. Yeah. I would say yeah. in that you have gravitated, you've benefited from well, all I was, the good. Yeah, I didn't, I mean, I didn't really have my, my parents uh, in their, their entire lifetime were in their most secure, comfortable position the year that I was born, I think probably until, you know, probably in their entire life. My father worked in a war factory, so he was exempt from the military yeah. draft because he already had four children <clears throat> before the war started in Pearl mm-hmm. Harbor. And he was already working in a war factory when that happened, so he was completely exempt. And, you know, I'll send you an article. It's a description of the war factory that he worked in, uh, uh-huh. Cleveland, Ohio. They they went from around 150 employees to about 2,500 employees in about six months. And they made gyroscopes for airplanes. And, I mean, people would dream about having the perks that they had in that factory in 19, yeah, you know, the 1940s that my father had. But my father was an entrepreneur. You know, he grew up on a farm, one had his own farm. And, you know, as soon as the war was over, he quit. And they, they offered him a huge, you know, bonus if he would stay on, and especially if he would move to California because they moved most of the big defense corporations moved to California after the Second World War from the Mideast, yeah. from the Midwest. Uh, they moved out there, and he said, I can't stand it. He says, I can't stand you know, working in that. So that, that's when he made his break, but it was tough. I mean, the farm failed after, you know, and they moved in 46, started the farm, failed in 55, and he reinvented himself as, as a landscaper, and he did well, but uh, never mm-hmm. financially, they never did as well as they did during the war, you know. And, yeah, I mean... I mean, the government was paying everybody during the war, you know, I mean, it was was like the last, uh, you know, a little bit, people got a little taste of this during the last two years of COVID, but during the Second Uh World War, you know, the government paid for everything, every crop, every vegetable, every fruit, everything that the farmers raised, the government bought it right away. I mean, you you couldn't, you couldn't fail during the Second World War, right. the government, but everything, yeah. So I was born during really good times, you know, and mm-hmm. I've lived my life, to, I've really lived my life during really good times. Mm-hmm. At any given time, some people are having good times and some people are having bad times. And my, my experience is the only bad times I've had in my life, it was my own fault. <laughs> right, that's true. Somebody's having a that was one thing that's what we learned in tennis that every shot makes somebody happy right so yeah. that's the uh, <laughs> every shot makes somebody happy so that's kind of good you just look for you can shape shift and be happy yeah yeah 
I don't care if you have the top two players in the world at any given time, one of them is under average. That's exactly right. Slightly <laughs> under average. I thought was, yeah. <laughs> but this whole getting back to your demographic thing that yeah. what's noticeable is between, you know, right before you, you the birth rate was, really low from 1930 to 1942, you know, yeah. ish kind of thing. Started and going down right, and uh, right. really started going down. And the, the, it, it took the depression. I mean, they talk about yeah. the stock market crash as if the depression yeah. started in one day. It actually happened over about 30 months, you know, the, mm-hmm. th- 30 months. And there was a stock yep. market crash, but the market came back up. And then there'd be little crashes and everything else. Yeah. The problem was they didn't have a banking system that could keep um, the economy supplied with cash. Right. There was no. Uh, so, there, yeah. No. There was no bank insurance in those days. Banks. Yeah. No, nothing is demoralizing as the bank that you have all your cash in going bankrupt. Right. Yeah, and that's, of course, less than 100 years ago now. And yeah, yeah I mean, amazing how, we've, how far we've come. But right after my generation started, that we were the first generation where they were literally taking pills to not have us. <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> and there was far fewer of us than the generations prior. And gap till you get to the you know millennials. millennials yeah yeah but that 15 year generation you know from 1965 to 1981 generation x there that is much smaller as a cohort than either the baby boomers or the millennials i mean it's like this yeah. little desert in the the birth rate you know chart Mm-hmm. And those things make a difference. Like when you look at, you know, you look at yeah. the, I was yeah, like Harry Dent yeah. is Boomer born gutting industrial. Yeah. Just, you know, it was the, just the massacre of industrial jobs and industries and cities in the United States that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so, yeah. yeah, Harry Dent is where I first learned about this, like back in the yeah. 90s when I first heard about Harry. And then I love, you know, the new the joke about Harry now is that he's predictably, uh, he's successfully predicted two of ten the, out the last ten out of yeah. the last three. <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> yep. <laughs> he's... Uh, He's, uh, you know, he's, he works on the broken clock theory, you know, twice a day a broken clock is correct. <laughs> exactly. See, I said it. I said it was going to come just like that. The man who predicted it. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, mean, I think even uh, he would agree that we are, I, I think even he think he might agree that we are insufficiently bullish on the 2030 free land, free zone future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Powered yeah. by Cloudland. Yeah. Here's an 
I would predict for 2030 that is not being talked about now. There will be a growing consensus that nuclear power is the energy solution. Mm-hmm. I think that's already among scientists. That is the truth, isn't it, already? Yeah. yeah. It's just, it, yeah. yeah. It's unfortunate, like what you say about capitalism. I mean, uh, unfortunately, it was named by its Yeah, enemy. I mean, the, yeah. the thing is that they've been, you know, the... the People who are into nuclear science have been, you know, have had their back to the cliff now for since the 70s, you know, since the 70s. Mm-hmm. So it's going on 50 years. They've had their, you know, one foot. Some people are trying to. As a matter of fact, Michael Schellenberger in his book, Apocalypse Never, says that there's actually been a tacit agreement between the petroleum industry and the anti-fossil fuels industry to to destroy the nuclear industry. And he, he gives, you know, whole chapters of agreements between people who say they're uh, anti-fossil fuel, but, but they'd be totally in favor of a nuclear plant shutting down and being replaced with coal or natural gas or oil. And everything else. And the reason is nuclear energy is really abundance energy. I mean, it really gets cheap when you get to mm-hmm. the nuclear stage because it lasts about 80 to 100 years with very almost no maintenance for, you know, they just have to make sure that they're doing what they're doing. And, uh, and it's emissions free. There's no emissions free. The storage of waste is a, you know, a well-established secret. There's no, there's been no incidents in the United States since they put in stations any of the way causing contamination. Mm-hmm. Uh, Canada? Total number of deaths worldwide since 1953 caused by, directly caused by radiation, and that includes Chernobyl, is like 100. Like a hundred people, you know. and uh, the U.S. military Navy has been using nuclear since 1954 for submarines, aircraft carriers. Right. No accidents whatsoever. Uh, my, I had a bro- I have a nephew who is 25 years or so, and I said, "How frequently do they have to refuel?" And he said, oh, yeah, "Usually seven or eight years. You know, they can go seven or eight years between." New fuel. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> yeah. And they create all I mean, their own oxygen. They create all their water because yeah. they just take ocean water and run it over. They have to run the water over the... Right. Their own cool water. All, they yeah. their own oxygen. He says it's just humans that are the big cause. Mm. That's always so, the case, uh, isn't it? It really I mean, is. It's just, your household, your household. I mean, take a look at your household there in celebration. Isn't the big cost of humans? That's right. It is. That's true. <laughs> yeah. My company. My company. You can, you can run my company dirt cheap, except for all the humans. That's right. If it wasn't for the people in the paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's true. Like your customer base would be a cinch, except for the humans, you know. <laughs> yeah. 
That's exactly right. In most cases, it is funny though. That whole yeah, it is funny. But I, I just thought you would get a kick out of those uh, words. Insufficiently, insufficiently bullish. I think it was Bill Gates that said this. You know, he hasn't said much that I find is say. Everybody is over-optimistic what you can get done here and totally under, totally underestimate what they can get Yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? Because you, you think about how even just we're living in a world right now that is almost unrecognizable or unimaginable from what it was 10 years ago. Two years ago. Even. Even two yeah. years ago, you're absolutely right. Yeah, this isn't yeah. the start to whatever you take thought one the of our would podcasts. Bring. We should just get the uh, uh, transcript of our podcast two years ago in October. Okay. Yeah, I would, and that would see be what an we were talking about, and see what we're talking about today. My yeah, goodness. I, you know, if you gave it to somebody and said. I don't know what happened between the first one and the second one, but there's a cool reality that they seem to be talking about in number two, but they're not even aware of in number one. That is true. I hadn't really thought about that, but that's really what so much of what we're uh, yeah, talking about has really been impacted over the last two years. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And who knows even that's the kind of thing, I guess, 10 years right now, you've, I don't know whether you or Eben Pagan have had this conversation with about the actionable future, but 10 years feels like a little, it's not as actionable today as the three year kind of future, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. First of all, I was talking about this in the workshop. So I had four workshops last week. It was, um, and I was saying, you know, one of the things I observed and I said, look, I said, you know, during my lifetime, I was born in 1944. So, you know, during my lifetime, the population of the planet has gone up by 350%. Okay. So it's tri- mm-hmm. more than triple population of the planet has tripled and uh-huh. everybody is blaming change and disruption on everything and I said but nobody brings up the fact that the population of the planet tripled in size I'm not talking I'm not talking about the impact on the environment or anything else I'm just talking about having that many human beings get up in the morning and make decisions. It's not three and a half times more complexity, you know, it's thousand times more complexity, three million times more complexity, you know, and unpredictability. So I think that the period in front of time waste for any of us, you, me, anybody, and we're good. I mean I mean, you and I give probably more contemplation to what might happen in our lives ahead of us than the vast majority of people that I know. 
I mean, I think mm-hmm. we're both. Um, I, I think we're both, you know, gazers at what lies ahead. We kind of gaze ahead, and yeah. uh, you know, kind of pick out <clears throat> things that we like and lots that we don't like, and you know, we re-gauge our direction and all sorts of things. I would say our ability to do that in a actionable way it has been divided maybe in half since we started our podcast series. In has been what by half? The actionable future that we have ahead of us has actually yeah. been cut in half since we started our actionable. So we might have been able to take action on something that was three years away. And my I feeling see, yeah. is we'd be much more rewarded not to go out too much more than a year and a half. With I agree with you. Yeah. Actional activities. Yes, right. And the reason is the general environment will change so much that a three-year, a three-year would be pretty worthless. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not anything about us. That's, and we're no, getting better. Just... Both of us are getting better at what we do. It's just what what you can be certain about. I think is coming closer mm-hmm. to. You. On the other yeah. hand, you can be your ability to in control of your response to uncertainty is going up at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I think your VCR is the your VCR is the key to that. You know, mm-hmm. uh, two things: who, not how, and VCR. I think if you put the two of them together, there isn't that much you need to know. There isn't that it much certainly more is you need to know. Right. It certainly is a great playbook for sure. Yeah. You know, I've got, I've got a goal. It's a what that we should achieve. I shouldn't do any of the house. Right. I don't care. Exactly. I don't care. I don't care who does the house. Yeah. Not me. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. And that's, I just love that whole, so anything that is, anything that's kind of illustrating those, you know, I've often, I've talked about the eight profit activators and the breakthrough blueprint as durable context, like a music theory sort of thing, the theory that you can write all the other songs with, that the who, not how, and the VCR formula are really that for, I think, the free zone that when you look at it, that with that philosophy of who, not how, and that structure of vision, capabilities, and reach, that all the things that are happening are a combination of those three components. Mm -hmm. That goes a long way. Yeah, and the whole thing is it allows, you know, I mean, allows two things. It allows you uh, to be in your unique ability. Yes. And being pulled out rather than being pulled out. And the other, yeah. what do I know that I'm not going to do in the future? I'm not going to do anything that's outside ability. Do I know my unique right. ability? Yeah, yes, I yeah. have a pretty good handle on it. Would I know my unique ability? Three years from now, I would. What about 10 yeah. years ago? I would, you know. 
So that's predictability. Okay. And I know I can take everything available to me and divide them into three columns. I got certain visions, personal and business. I've got certain capabilities, personal and business. And I've got a lot of reach, personal and business. And mm-hmm. once I get to the capability and once halfway through the capability and reach, you know, business, not mine, they're other people's. Yeah. Yeah, that's the greatest thing is seeing them through other people's, seeing, being able to get things out of the world through others. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So my, so my sense is that what's dying in the world right now, I'm just watching it. You know, I was just looking at the popularity polls this morning. So Biden was 64% on election day or not on election day, inauguration day, he came into office at 64%. And we're eight, eight months down the road, eight, nine, I'm not sure how many months it, it is since inauguration day. And he's at 36, he's dropped 28 points. Not, not all the polls, but one poll that he, where he was 64, he's now 36, that's a 28 point drop. You know, if he had jumped off the Washington Monument. He couldn't have gone down any faster. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's. An, I don't think. I, and I don't think it has. And personally, I don't think it has anything to do with him. It's the entire class of every everything that he's been part of. And I don't. Again, it's not personal. It's that entire baby boom generation that started taking power. You know, and, you know, they they took power the moment they were born, you know, because they began, you know, all of a sudden advertisers became interested in six-year-olds, you know, you know, uh, rock and roll wouldn't have happened in the 1950s, except there were 10 or 12-year-old baby boomers who could, you know, who could pay cash for records and, you know, they, they, they could buy shoes, they could buy clothes and everything like that. So from a consumer standpoint, the baby boomer generation has been in charge, you know, really since the mid fifties. Hmm. Yeah, I guess that is true, isn't it? I mean, that's right from being, uh, yeah, because everybody was kind of paving the Mickey way Mouse Club. for them. Mickey Mouse Everything's Club. been yeah. in service of the, you, you know what? I just saw something in a different light, but it certainly has been all eyes on us, the baby boomers. Yeah. Since that, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Cool. And I, you know, and it really strikes me, you know, I haven't watched, you know, I haven't watched television for three, three and a half years, but some of the advertising spills over to the internet and I pick up on it and I said, why is it, why are the ads filled up with old geezers? Hmm. I mean, there's all yeah. these people of gray, gray-haired men and women. Uh, you they've know, got all the all, money of all skin colors, and I said, it's it's exactly the same people that they were uh, focusing on in 1956. They're just 65 years older. Yes, I think that's true. Once, um, I'm surprised I mean, that. I, I expect to see you know, massive increase in advertising on and cremations over the next 10 years. Mm. 
I wonder. And they'll still be the big consumer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You know, until their dust the settle gets blown away in the wind or the grass grows over, they're still <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're still spending, you know, and it's really uh, it's interesting how this one and that was their big that was their big power. It was consumption power. It wasn't creative power. I don't think on a per capita basis for the number of them that there were. I don't think they were any more productive or you know creative other generations. As a matter of fact, maybe the. You know, there's particular generations. Maybe it was the greatest generation. Maybe they created more stuff, you know, on a per capita basis. But from a consumption standpoint, boy, the boomers, I mean, they're the all-time champs, I think. Per capita, mm-hmm. you know, in present dollars. I think they were the, yeah. You look at now, even as they're aging now and getting into retirement, there's, you know, they're certainly the first generation to be embracing longevity kind of uh, things more than my mom's generation. Like your, Mm -hmm. my mom was born in 1936. So she was, she would be, you know, closing in on 90, 85, I guess right now. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. So you look at it, but she in that early or that age, she was not hip to a Vasper machine or a, you know what I mean? You took at that end, you had the baby boomer access mentality kind of thing with the, with money to be able to focus on longevity. Your experience at 77 is very different than what even five years ago someone's experienced well it's different from it, it's different from almost anyone who's yeah age. yeah uh but you're seeing now though that there are lots of people in their 70s who have been embracing longevity yeah. like this now yeah right yeah. and not for nothing but yeah william shatner 90 years old look at him Mm-hmm. <laughs> going out in space. Yeah. 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 Uh, but that kind of thing now, you know, these... Except for that, that guy, George, to, to, uh, what's his name? To, Takai. To talk to Takai. Takai. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if any of the cast is still alive, except for even Shatner. Yeah. Yeah. And it'd be interesting to go back and take a look at the cast and see how many of them are still alive. George Takai is and yeah, and and so is William Shatner. But I think Spock died. Oh yeah, yeah Leonard Nimoy died four or five four or five years ago. I think yeah, yeah. But it's very really interesting and uh, yeah. But I think this whole support this brings in, you know, those the people, the baby boomers now. This I'm always looking at this like Lee Iacocca would be looking at this group now with. You know, the big trail as they cross the 65 year, you know, mark that there's, how are they going to, you know, ease into their seventies and, and go from there. And it's going to be an interesting. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Even services that allow them to, you know, being who's for all the things that stop people from staying in their home or doing all those things. I think what Lisa Simi is doing in terms of showcasing things that make your home more um, viable and coupled with concierge services and things that, you know, make like you and I'm, I'm laughing because I'm sitting in my courtyard right now and I've got the, I've got her uh, pillows. Lillian made these pillows for the four seasons Valhalla pillows that, <laughs> cause that's our mindset. We go through, uh, you know, totally your articulation of it that we don't want to do any more at home than we would do if we were staying at the four seasons. We've adopted that. Yeah. We have a, we have a logo and uh, everything we refer to our house as the four seasons. Valhalla. Yeah. Yeah. One of my goals for our properties, because we have, you know, we have Chicago, we have Toronto, and then we have Paul's Lake. Yeah. And one of the significant improvement project every single year. Yes. Improving what you have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I mean, I mean, I could have learned. I could have learned this from you probably when I first met you. But the last two years have indicated to me that residential real estate in certain places is a really good investment. <laughs> you think? Yeah. Yeah. It's true, isn't our, it? It's so funny. Our cottage property we bought it in February of last year. Okay, we oh, yeah, second, we have one cottage, but the cottage next to us with two and a half acres came up, and and we haven't done a thing with it. We haven't done a thing with it. The value went up eighty percent in one year. That's amazing. Yeah, we're going we're going to tear it down. We're going to tear it down, but we didn't get around to tearing it down. <laughs> And uh, the value went up 80%. Here in the city, I don't know what it is, but I got to believe it was, it was very significant. Uh, not so much oh, I bet. Chicago. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> Chicago is too close to a place where there are 10 shootings a day. I was just going to say, isn't that like where it's it's one of those places that didn't, did Illinois have a net loss uh, migration? Well, they lost two congressional seats. That tells you everything you need to know. And last oh, there you year, go. That's it. Uh, yeah, they. Yeah, that's a bad sign for a state when it le- loses congressional seats because, it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's like at the very, very least, it's like you lost a million in population. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and two it means you've lost very significant population. You, you know, the there's <laughs> an interesting thing about the. Constitutional, a lot of people know, don't know, but the number of congressional seats never increases. You know, that is 435. Mm-hmm. And that's an amendment to the Constitution. It's in the 20s. I think it might be, you know, in the 24.5. I'll have to go and look. And do you know, do you, do you know why it's 435? I did know, and I forget. 
It's all the seats that they can actually fit in the building. <laughs> hey, we gotta. We're not. Whatever. Okay, we can start this, but I'll tell you what. I repeat, we are not adding any new seats to this building. No, no. I mean, I mean, um, they tried. They, they tried, but the, the you know the house side of the Capitol building. You have the Senate and one side. And 435 was it. You can't get more than 435. <laughs> and so that they said, well, that should, that should be a law. And that kind of shows you how laws are created. You know, we've ran out of room. <laughs> Let's make it. They're probably law. at agreeing. No, totally. Okay. Yeah. No, we agree with that. That's fine. We'll just more, we'll just keep the districts uh, the same. Right. Yeah. So the thing is, they've got 50 states, you know, that have, uh, they have the seats. And yeah. uh, the 435, are, you know, are divided a popular demographic basis. And so every 10 years, they have a census. And, you know, the number goes up, uh, you know, uh, the, you know, the total number of Americans probably went up 10 million, 10 million. I don't know what the number yeah. was. So they take the new number, divide by 435, and then look at the states and say, who gained population, who lost population. And your state, you know, every census now forever gains about two seats every 10 years. Yeah. And New York is in a total continuous loss situation. Most of New England is in a continual loss situation. Midwest, Michigan, Ohio, Illinois, they're losing population. Texas gaining population. Arizona, you know. So they... Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, all, all the places that are pleasant during the winter time for aging and dying baby boomers yes. gain seats. <laughs> yeah. Except for California for the first time in its history lost a, lost a seat. And yeah. that's, because, that's because of almost impossibly bad government. Yeah. Welcome to Florida. Yeah. And I, the hotspot, Texas and Florida are the uh, the two uh, they're the two powerhouses now in the United States. Texas and Florida, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I agree. Yeah. Happy yeah. to be in two one. Two states that used to be dog parks and ranches. That's what those two states were, and uh, now they're powerhouses. You see. This is good news. This is good. You can't go wrong in cottage country either. You can't go wrong in Muskoka. Yeah, no, I think the population is. Uh, the only problem right now is if you try to. We have spent the last two and a half years trying to put a veranda on our uh, our first cottage. You know, it's just uh-huh. a. You know, it's about a. 10 foot by 30 foot, you know, screened in porch, you know, with yeah. screened. It's not glass in, it's just screened in because we don't go much during the winter. And it took us two years to get it through political uh, housing. You wow. Know, why? You know why? Because uh, no. they can't make a decision unless they're in person. Oh, wow. They can't, they, four of them can't. There's four of them that have to make a decision, and they can't do it on Zoom. There's no provisions in their ground rules that they can do this by Zoom. 
Although they could have a meeting, they could have a meeting in the parking lot where each four, four of them, uh, you know, they each had a car window, so that the four of them, they could be kind of like in a circle. They could make a rule to change the rule that they could do it by Zoom, but they, uh, they boy, that's big stuff. Yeah, that's big stuff, making a decision that you can make a decision by, by Zoom. How do we know that's really the person? That's crazy. How do I how do I know you're not just a recorded Dean? Well, there's there's no reassurance, Dan. Unless you you have the Turing test and ask me something yeah. only I would know or something. I guess that's but you see, based on the historical inventiveness and originality of their discussions, they can't tell whether it's recorded or not. <laughs> Even when it's live. <laughs> so anyway, it took us two years, and then the supply chains, we ran into the supply chain problem, you know, just getting wood, you know, just getting yes, yeah, yeah, and everything like that, you know. So anyway, that this is a big shift. The other thing is that eighty percent of, I believe, North American supply chains, which were offshore, in other words, that's something that you wanted in North America had to come from someplace in the world. Uh, Ten years from now, eighty percent of that will be in North America. I'm, as I'm noticing that with Amazon now, I mean, noticing microcosms of that in a way that you're, you're noticing everything being positioned to serve these little zones here that I know their logistics have gotten really good in their distribution of where they warehouse things that I've even had situations where at 10 o'clock at night, I could order something and it tells me you can have it tomorrow. Yeah. Which is still, I mean, it is kind of, I, I'm just realizing what an amazing, like, you know. It just means that thing. warehouse, it just means that warehousing is going to be better. Yeah, warehousing and all of that. And, but the big, um, yeah, there's so many, there's the real things that are, there people are everybody's telling me they're struggling with is finding people to to work to do the actual mm-hmm. everybody loves the partaking in the convenience, but not many people like providing the boots on the ground effort yeah. to maintain yeah. that convenience. Like it takes a lot of I just think about sitting here on the couch outside in the courtyard shopping on Instacart for Publix mm-hmm. to have somebody bring the food, bring the groceries right to your door um, or to have somebody cook stuff for you and bring it right to you. All of the bring it right to you. Well, here's, here's my thesis. You know, there's all sorts of thesis about there being so many unfilled jobs going. This is like historic. Yeah. They've never had this many unfilled jobs in the history of right. the U.S. economy. The U.S. economy right. has never had this many unfilled jobs. And there's all sorts of theories about this, you know, starting with it just shows you how lazy people are. It just shows you, you know, that the government is bribing them to stay at home. I mean, there's all these pieces. And I said, 
I, I said the COVID people staying at home gave them time for the first time because I realized that before they were just too busy and tired to know how shitty their jobs were. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. You give them a week's, if you give them a week's good sleep and you give them some time to think about it, they said, I can't believe I ever did that job. You know, I, right. I, I can't believe that. You know, I would travel an hour to get to and uh, I can't believe I did. I did that when I went on the longevity trip to Boston and New York with, you know, I flew business class and we stayed at the Four Seasons and the Mandarin Oriental with it. And about five times during the trip, I said to myself, I can't believe I ever put up with this. I know, exactly. I, You are so right. It's, it's, yeah, even just for meetings that are yeah outside of it's just yeah. such, such anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Two things. I don't know if Eleanor contacted you, but could you send us your schedule for breakthrough blueprint for the? I will. I got the email the, from Eleanor, and I will. Yeah. Yeah, I can send it because I have one uh, somebody here in Toronto. Definitely, I said I won't talk to you anymore if you don't do Dean's workshop. Um, I said, you can't talk to me. You can't use up me until you go and do Dean's workshop. So okay, perfect. Yeah, I've got yeah. one. I'm gonna do a live coming up in December. I'm gonna see what the you know, first yeah in Florida at celebration. Okay. And, yeah. yeah. That'll that'll work. I'll, I'll get in touch with this person. I mean, he's a great guy and everything like that, but. Uh, you know, and everything like that. He's trying to how his way into the future. And uh, I got you right. Uh huh. Yeah, and I said, look, I just, I said, I can't. Nothing I say is going to make the least bit of difference until you reframe your whole thinking about where the profit is in your whole process. Okay. And, uh, and I said, three days with Dean, and you'll have a totally different view. And. Uh, um, Perfect. You know, so anyway, the other thing I want you to know, just, you know, to make sure that this is not a terrible physical tribulation for you in February, we're, we're planning to have a live free zone summit at the end of February. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be at the Four Seasons in Palm Beach. Oh, my goodness. That's close. Accommodating like that. I'm very uh, yes, I'm very familiar with the four courtyard experience. Yes, yeah. this is good. Yeah. I like you can that. even hire someone to, you can even hire someone to drive your tra- Tesla there and you know, whatever. Yeah, this is great. I love that. Now I'm very that's very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> the four seasons in Palm Beach, so good. I like it. It's a nice, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I've been there. I mean, it's not one of the the grandeur of their hotels. No, I mean it's very quiet. It's very quiet. Yeah, down the beach. It's not. Yes, and so you know, and and, uh, everything. So yeah, and uh, so we, you know, in some places, Phoenix was, you know, you could just forget it for the next year, you know, getting any hotel space or anything. So uh, we did. So we did that. Are, are you going for Genius Live? 
I'm not. I'm virtual. Yeah. Yeah, we're going anything? because we're, we're going to Canyon Ranch too. So we're okay, going right. to see if we can repeat our normal. This would be our yeah, normal, right. Uh-huh. Normal thing, and uh, yeah. So anyway, we're we'll be there. If I Ben and I are going to do a live. Um, they're going q and a Q&A. Uh, so tuesday uh gap and gain is released by hey, i know i so, saw that very exciting yeah yeah and our sales are way above last year so we're off to a better what's start. the website so, where what's the website that people can go gap and gain book.com gap and gain book.com perfect yeah i love it i got mine already yeah. it's great yeah yeah, and you know it's. Uh, What's the next uh, one yeah. now? Two. Ten times. Ten times. Two times. Well, that's great. I got to. Yeah. I got to go down. Yeah, I'm going to continue. Start our first. Uh, we we start our first work on it on Friday. You know so, and uh, but the big thing is we got interviewed by Reed Tracy from Hay House. Uh, oh, nice. Publisher. And he said the interesting thing about how. He said, without any marketing for the last seven months, we're not how it's selling at the same rate right now than it was seven months ago. And it was selling. Oh, it's going to be a perennial. It's one of those. He said, it's the dream of every publisher to have a self selling book. And he says, you got one here. Yeah. That's the best because that's, and I think it's only going to grow. As yeah. people, you know, that's, that's and then on Amazon, when they, you know, with the new book, the gapping the gain, they they just automatically link it backwards, so they show the gapping gain, and then they immediately take this cover, you know, you know, uh, pair it up with uh, yeah, that's so, that's so great. Yeah. I can't wait to see this next. I'm, I, you know, it's, I told you it's my express purpose to be the the who was the who was the filmmaker that would be cameos in his own films? <laughs> he was in every one of them. Oh. Orson Welles, yeah. Oh, Orson Welles, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my I'm going to be the Orson Welles of this ten book series with a cameo oh, yeah. appearance. Yeah, you have a whole section. We, you know, we have your entire world story. You know uh, how you would like your life to be. You I know, saw that. Yeah, yeah. I know I'm being successful with. Yeah, you're like the Zelig of all my future books. There we go. Perfect. <laughs> oh, man. All right, Dan. I always enjoy these. Perfect. Okay. Thanks, Dan. Bye. Bye.